Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from Psalm 127, verses 1 through 5, which if you were here on Wednesday night for our Bible study, this ought to sound very familiar to you. And if it doesn't, you are not paying attention. Psalm 127, verses 1 through 5, which can be found on page 501 in our Pew Bibles or 968 in the large print. Before we read, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day, and we do um, thank you for your word that you have given to us. We pray that you would help us um, not to cast it aside, not to let uh, either trouble or persecution or, um, or the temptations and the worries of life do anything to take our attention off of the word that you have planted in us take our attention off of who you are, the ways that you work in this world, and the people that you are calling us to be, that you have created us to be. We ask that even this morning you would continue that growth in us, that you would continue to grow us, to change us into the people that you created us to be, in relationship with you through Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen. Psalm 127. Song of Ascents of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. Turning then to Matthew, chapter 14, verses 13 through 21, which, given the children's sermon, you probably expected what it was going to be, but it's not that. Matthew 14, verses 13 through 21, should be found on page 796. Or page 1524 in the large print bullet. Large print Bibles. This is after uh, John the Baptist has been arrested and imprisoned and then beheaded. And picking up in verse 13, it says, When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat to a, privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about five thousand men, besides women and children. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, over the last uh, several weeks throughout the summer, 
We have been looking at a series of five shifts that the church needs to make, not just now, but always is needing to make these same five shifts. And we've traced that all the way back to the time of Pentecost, when... um, when these shifts needed to be made then as well, maybe in a different way than we need to make them, but the same shifts nonetheless. And what we have looked at so far by way of review is, and these are the five shifts, by the way, identified by our denomination, but don't just apply to our denomination, apply everywhere. And we're first at uh, shifting from being clergy-centered to an unleashed laity. Next, we looked at from safety and preservation to risk-taking and expansion. We looked at going from uh, being purely having a purely attractional model of ministry to one that is missional and attractional. And then last week, we looked at going from homogeneous leadership prepared for Christendom to preparing all of God's people for a post-Christian culture. Today is the last in this series, and we are looking at going from an addition-subtraction mentality to a multiplication mindset. After that, we have a single verse listed in your bulletin, which is Acts 2.41. This is because last week I read to you the whole of Peter's sermon out loud. I'm not going to do that again this week, so if you weren't here last week, you have homework. Read... In Acts 2, all of Peter's sermon as he stands up and addresses the crowd, but I will give you uh, just a brief summary, which is, it's all about Jesus. Peter stands up and he says, what you are seeing, what you are hearing, what this is all about, it's all about Jesus and how God has uh, not only sent this Jesus as our Messiah, but after he was killed, God raised him from the dead to be the Lord and King over all. And... uh, Verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. Is that a big number or a small number? Well, that's one of those relative terms. Um, If you skip back to Acts chapter 1, in verse 15, it says, In those days Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. So on the day of Pentecost, when that day began, there are about 120 Christians. And by the nightfall, there are about 3,120 Christians. That's a pretty big jump in one day. And that is, uh, when we look at going from addition and subtraction to a multiplication mentality, one of the first things that we notice with multiplication is you can get bigger numbers much faster with multiplication. And so if you take even a number as big as 10, and you were to just add it to itself 10 times, you end up with the number 100. All right? But if you take the number 2, a number as small as 2, and you just multiply it by itself about 10 times, 1,024. Multiplication, mathematically, gets much bigger, much faster. Which, that's fine, that's good. Unfortunately, that's often distracting. Because when we look at what it means to have church growth, this is where some people stop. And they just think, well, we need to be multiplying, and it becomes like a multi-level marketing scheme, like some sort of pyramid scheme, where it's all about just getting bigger numbers faster. That's what church growth is all about. Not biblically. It is not. 
And yet there is a sense in which multiplication, not addition, is the way to go. But it's not just because it gets bigger faster. There's a different quality to multiplication than there is uh, with addition. And that's because it's not just a matter of math that we're talking about multiplication. It's actually more closely related to biology. Living organisms multiply. This is what happens. This is how they grow, even. Individually, their cells multiply, and they grow bigger. You see this with the branches of a tree. You don't just add another branch here and then you know, come along later and nail another one on there. They grow multiplying out in every direction. And so there are lots of branches. There are lots of leaves. There are, there's a lot of fruit. This happens through multiplication organically. And this is what we see in the, um, in the miracle that we just read of Jesus, multiplying the loaves and the fish. Is it's not just a matter of the amount, but it's actually a matter of kind. Of that organic relationship to what's going on. Um... C.S. Lewis, in his uh, article on miracles, has a lot of good things to say about this. But let me just read you a brief part of it where he says, To do instantly with with dead and baked corn what ordinarily happens with live seed is just as great a miracle as to make bread of stones. Just as great, but a different kind of miracle. That is the point. He said, when I open Ovid or, or Grimm, I find the sort of miracles which really would be arbitrary. Trees talk, houses turn into trees, magic rings raise tables richly spread with food in lonely places, ships become goddesses, and men are changed into snakes or birds or bears. So it's fun to read about, but the least suspicion that it actually, that it really happened would turn that fun into a nightmare. But you find no miracles of that kind in the Gospels. Such things, if they could be, would prove that some alien power was invading nature. They would not in the least prove that it was the same power which had made nature and her rules every day. But the true miracles express not simply a God, but God. That which is outside nature, not as a foreigner, but as her sovereign. They announce not merely that a king has visited our town, but that it is the king. It is our king. The other line that addresses this so well. He says, The miracles, in fact, are a retelling in small letters of the very same story which is written across the whole world in letters too large for some of us to see. And he talks about how when you have the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, what you see is a little bit of bread being turned into a lot of bread, which is the same thing that happens all over the world all the time. You have a little bit of grain that goes back into the ground and becomes a lot of grain. You have fish being multiplied into a lot of fish. He said this is the same thing you see from the very beginning in every river and stream and ocean and (laughs) lake. A few fish become a lot of fish being multiplied. But what's happening is that Jesus is doing it locally and dramatically in a way that we can actually see it, whereas usually we pass by and don't give it a second thought. But when we see Jesus doing this, and Jesus even says, all I do is what I see my Father doing then he's not doing magic tricks, but he's showing signs of who he is and how he works. And so there is, uh, when we look at multiplication in this sense, when we look at 
church growth in this sense. It's not a matter of just adding something separate. Not a matter of just adding people as they move into town or losing people as they leave. But it's actually a matter of organic, relational multiplication, like a family tree. Like, generationally. This is, we always look at the multiplication mathematically and we say, very quickly, it can get very big. But when we look biologically, we say, it's not always very quickly. Sometimes it's very slow. And you look at how long it takes for a tree to grow, or you look how long it takes in number of years for a family tree to grow. And yet, it does grow. And it grows big, and it grows big fast, the number of levels it takes. But the timing may be a little different than what we expect. But even still, there are times, like when Jesus multiplies everything all at once, or when 3,000 people are added that one day, when we see happening locally, on a small scale, what God is doing everywhere. So there's a difference multiplication uh, biologically than there is mathematically. And this is the kind of growth that we see in the church. As we follow on with these disciples, not only were 3,000 added that day, after the sermon Peter preaches, but it doesn't stop there. It's not, okay, now we've got 3,120 people and done. Not even close. In fact, the next few verses, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Every day, more and more are being added. Now, there's that word again, added. Added a thousand, added more daily. We think, are we talking about addition again or are we talking still about multiplication? But remember, it's not a mathematical term. We're talking in biological terms. And you might add another child in your family, but your whole family tree continues to multiply, if that makes sense. And this is the same thing that's happening here. It's a difference in kind. And the people who are being added, how is it they're being added? It is because they are being welcomed into the part of the life of the family of the people of God. And so we have people who are uh, teaching, the apostles' teaching. We have people who are breaking bread together and fellowshiping, fellowshiping together with one another. We have people who are praying together for and with each other. And it is through this, as people come to experience uh, the life of the people of God, as people who are living with Jesus, and as they are hearing the message about who this Jesus is, their lives are changed too. And it's as their lives are changed that we see them then going out wherever it is that they actually live, as they've come into Jerusalem for one reason or another, as they go back home, the same thing is happening where they go. And so we see that even though, you know, 40 days after, uh, 50 days after Jesus is raised from the dead, there are only 120 people. And even still, after Pentecost, everybody's still located in Jerusalem. We see that within just a few generations, not only is it spread throughout the whole of the Roman Empire. But it has this <laughs> tiny little sect in a corner of the Roman Empire has gotten notice of the emperor himself who has begun to persecute the Christians. 
because they're getting big. And it's kind of like the um, the Pharaoh in ancient Egypt when there were getting to be too many Hebrews, and he said, ah, "What are we going to do? This uh, this seems threatening." This small bunch, over time, organically growing, not like you would build a building one brick at a time, but like plants grow, organically multiplying everywhere they go, spreading the seed of the Word of God as they go, living life together, and growing. Growing deep roots and growing more branches. This is what's going on. This is what you see throughout the whole of the book of Acts. And here's got to be the final point, though. We can't stop there. Because if we stop right now, then we say, okay, now we know what we have to do to make this happen. And if we think this is what we have to do to make this happen, we have completely missed the point of Pentecost in the book of Acts. The book of Acts actually begins... written by Luke, by the way, who wrote the book of Luke. And he starts by saying, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. In my former book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. So what is he writing in this book? It's not, okay, that's what Jesus did, and now here's what the apostles are doing. It's that's what Jesus began to do, This is what Jesus continues to do through his people, through the giving of the Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus said, it will be better for you, actually, if I go away, because then I can send the Holy Spirit to you, and you'll be able to do greater things than even you've seen me do. So when we look at uh, church growth, it's not a matter of coming up with a good um, strategy or a good... um, technique, or even a matter of just trying really hard to add numbers, to add more people. It's a matter of changing the mindset to a multiplication mindset, one that that is looking at organically multiplying everywhere we go, but it's also doing that because of our focus completely on Jesus and our dependence completely on the power of the Spirit. This is what we see with that Pentecost day. We see 3,000 people added, and we're like, well, what do we do to do that? Well, the same thing we should be doing all the time. Peter's empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he gets up and he tells people about Jesus. And it is through the power of the Spirit and the word about Jesus that lives are changed, and they are drawn in to the family of God, and they begin to live together like that. And as they continue to do those same things, being empowered by the Spirit and have the message of Jesus, more and more and more are coming to faith in Jesus. And there is growth. But it's not fake growth. I love that the kids earlier were talking about the apple that has seeds because it's not a fake apple. (laughs) A plastic apple wouldn't have seeds. It wouldn't need it, even though it might look the same on the outside. Let's not look the same as as the fake apple on the outside with no seed on the inside. Be those who are empowered by the Holy Spirit to take the message of Jesus, to share it, to spread the seed wherever we go, knowing some may reject and some may accept, but that through that, that the church would grow, grow deeply, grow broadly, 
that there would be organic multiplication and growth of the family of God and his tree. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.